Everybody, welcome back. This is a true crime podcast called Bloodthirsty Times. I'm your host Octavio, and I'm Emily, and it's your boy Will. Ooh, deep. Yeah. <laughs> we hope uh, we hope you've been enjoying learning about lesser known serial killers, uh, but this will be the last episode in that series. And to me, we are ending this one on um, one of the most terrifying out of the three, I think, that we've covered. So trust your instincts and join us in these bloodthirsty times. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times and these are bloodthirsty times. Hey there, everybody. Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. Super. Awesome. I'm all right. Uh, I actually, we we have an announcement, not just me. Uh, we just want to make a quick announcement before the episode. Pregnant? And with emotion, we just want to let Wait, you guys what? know pregnant with emotion. I didn't even hear him say pregnant. That's why I was like, what? Oh. Anyways. Yeah, we you did sneak it in. <laughs> Anyways, we just wanted we wanted to let you guys know that we have decided to release our episodes in two different formats. We'll still release our audio podcast like normal, but now we will also release the episode as a video pod. And uh I'm going to be honest though, it'll probably take a few days after the after we upload the audio uh because editing is hard, you know? And I'm, I'm not being very, I'm not good at it. So it, it takes some time, but uh, it will be up. And um, the other thing is that in order to have access to the video pod, you are going to have to subscribe to the pod for the price of $3, a dollar a person here, uh, $3 a month that is. So I know that's pricey, but you know, editing and not being very good at it takes time. And that's why it's $3 a month to watch us talk about this. You can actually see us talk right now. If you were watching the video pod, you could see us saying all of this. Um, you know, and on top of the video pods, we're also thinking of doing like little mini episodes about like current events and headlines and stuff. And like really whatever we feel like talking about, but only subscribers will have access to this extra content. Again, it's gonna probably gonna be slow going until we get like a rhythm with it. You know, like I said, video editing is hard so the video pod is no. of our faces and and also including i i'm trying to get good at putting pictures in the video while we're talking about it so you can see you know pictures like we talked about the grim sleeper the blue van for instance you can see pictures of that blue van as we're talking about it and you know things like that so check it out or don't i really don't i really can't tell you what to do but if you want to see our faces talk about um the episodes it's three dollars a month and we will try our best to keep that 
as scheduled as possible. But I was just gonna start. Putting I'm always on gonna my look homeless. I was just gonna put pictures right, on my phone and then hold it, hold it up, and be like, "Look, see, that's what we're talking about." <laughs> that's hilarious. See, the, I I wanted to avoid stuff like that, which is why look, I'm trying look, to look, get good at editing. Move in. <laughs> I also don't know what that was a picture of Will. I don't watch. Have you watched the movie Corbin Nash? No, I can't say that I have, man. I don't know what that is. That's that Corey Feldman. Like... If you didn't. Yeah. No, is that a vampire movie? Well, I was going to yeah. say that that is oh, definitely he's a, he's, he's a, a drag cross, queen. Yeah, he's a drag queen vampire. And it's Corey Feldman. It was My, my mind was blown when I figured that one out. Oh, dang. Corey Feldman is the person in that picture right there. Yes. Is that what, yeah. That's what you're telling me right now. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you right now. That's. Uh, I don't know if that's like better than his norm, though. <laughs> it's just the same. Yeah, uh, okay, uh, hold on. Keep talking. Hmm. All right. Well, like I said, it's $3 a month. And uh, I hope we hope you subscribe to it. But, you know, you don't have to if you're content with just the, the audio will always be free. So you'll still be able to hear the episodes, just not see our faces when you're doing it. And I don't even know if you want to see our faces, but I do recommend paying $3 just to see Will's eyes. Yeah, it looks about the same. Corey Feldman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyways. I know he was, if, but ew, gross. Just like, uh, sub- I think you guys should subscribe because if anything, you guys can see Will's beautiful lake of eyes are bright blue and it, that's worth $3 alone. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And you might be able to get to see my feet or know that kind of thing. Ooh, that's definitely going to go into a higher price point. Don't. Right. So don't far that hasn't that. happened, but I mean, I feel like anything could happen at this point. He could just whip out his feet right now. Don't tempt me. Uh, well, I'm not tempting you at all. Believe me. Save that for <laughs> the higher price point. I am. I am not into feet, but you know, everyone's different. I'm not going to judge. But uh, Richard, I think uh, that's all we needed for today. That's all the announcements we have. So you can fuck off. But you're not fired. Before we yet. fire you. No, well, I was going to say before we fire you again, because yeah. apparently we should fire you um, because the audio is way too loud, I guess. Yeah, he relies on it. I can't put him out on the street like that. No, he does need a shelter and food. It, also, the $3 a month is cheaper than the 87 cents a day to sponsor us. So just It is a lot know. cheaper. It's a lot cheaper than 87 cents a day. Yeah. What did I just say? 87 cents a day? cents a day. <laughs> that's 27 beers in yeah anyways uh let's kick off this last serial killer huh finish this series out strong let's finish him off yeah let's okay. finish let's finish this guy off right now both hands so to <laughs> see right like right now if you subscribe to the video you can see what will did to his mic it's very graphic <laughs> <laughs> i don't recommend it so so like i said today's episode will be the last in our lesser known serial killer series um and again at the top i said to me this is the most terrifying serial killer we've covered in this out of the three because the thing is no one knew for a fact that he was a serial killer at all like just like lonnie like no one knew lonnie was the serial killer however they did know there was a serial killer uh and they were actively looking for him but with charlie there wasn't even an active investigation because they hadn't linked his possibly, I don't know, 26 victims to each other to even like start to think there was a serial killer. You know, and the thing is like he killed all his victims the same way. There's uh, the same ritualistic type murders that we're, we're going to talk about. Um, and you know, what's crazy is the 
the book that I used uh, to learn about this is called uh, Invisible Killer, The Monster Behind the Mask by Diane Montaigne and Sean Robbins. Like even they're acknowledging like this guy was below the radar. Like no one, he wasn't even, no one even thought of him as a murderer, which we'll talk about later is kind of naive, I guess. Emily likes to point that part out like that they should have known. They should have known. Emily will probably go on a tirade about how they should have known. Um, So to tell this story, I'm actually going to start at the end and then uh, work my way back to this guy's life. So let's start in September of 2004. Just how long ago is that? 18 years ago? I graduated in high school. Uh, yeah. So pretty, yeah. Quick math. As far as as far as cases we've covered, this is fairly recent. You know, I mean, it doesn't get recent, but the the end is very recent. Like I said, September 2004. Charlie Brandt. Actually, his name was Carl, but no one ever called him Carl. Anyway, Charlie and his wife Teresa Brandt, um, but people called her Terry, were evacuating their home in Key West in southern Florida because for the third time that year. Uh, a hurricane headed straight towards them, and ironically, the hurricane that was on the way was also named Charlie. I don't remember that one. This is 2004, why would you? Because I was in college in September of 2004. Yeah, but not not in Florida. No, but like we pay attention to all hurricanes in Mississippi. Is, well, actually, that is true. That's true. Very I'll give much you that. aware You're of right. all of them. So normally, folks from uh, like the Keys uh, in Florida... Uh, and really the South in general, don't evacuate when a hurricane is on its way. And you can find like another example of that in our Addie and Zach episode, which uh, by the way, quick side note, Emily and I had gone to a show recently in New Orleans. And after the show, we were driving around and um, we were trying to find food when we, I realized that we were driving on North Rampart Street. And we eventually got to the actual apartment where Zach murdered his girlfriend and Emily took pictures, and you can actually find the pictures on our social social media. Um, but it was actually interesting. Interesting. Fuck, I can't talk to you. To see that they had turned it into a haunted museum. Oh, that's, oh, that's a cool. grocery store. No, it was a haunted museum. You can see it on the pictures. I zoomed in. I'm like, does that really say haunted museum? Because it totally does. It turned a but, house uh, into a grocery store. Is what you're telling me. I I thought it was a grocery store. Okay. Well, to be fair, below the apartment is the second floor, and the bottom has always been some kind of shop. I think during the murders, it was a, if I remember correctly, it was like a, a voodoo shop. I want to say like a voodoo queen shop type of thing. Um, but, you know, just in general, it felt weird to be like super close to where something so incredibly sad happened. It, it was just a, it was an odd feeling. You know what I mean? Like, damn, I know what happened inside that apartment and it's fucking brutal. And here I am just 20 feet outside. Hold up. I'm about to tell you exactly because I need to know. It's going to drive me nuts. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a What shop. it is now or what it was then? What it is now. It's a haunted it says... museum. Haunted museum. Something. Oh. What is it? Haunted <laughs> Museum? Let me guess. Hold on. Let me guess. It says... Haunted, oh, hold on. Look. Here. This is how we're going to do it. Remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> haunted Museum. It says Haunted Museum. Actually, in the video pod, I'm going to put the actual picture so they can actually see that. It, and I'm going to zoom in even. Zoom in. You can see this as Haunted oh, Museum. Oh, but look. And here's a zoomed out. <laughs> oh, look at that. Is that a... What, uh, what kind of car is that? Is that a Honda... That's a Honda... Pilot. Honda Pilot? Uh, I was going to say Fit. Is that a Honda? Is that an actual a, car? Yes, but it's a tiny car. Yeah, it fits a tiny little car. But I digress. Tiny little car. Yeah, oh, thank you. You're welcome. 
So like I was saying, most Southerners do not evacuate, and Charlie was one of those people. But luckily, Terry was close to her niece, Michelle. And Michelle lived just a few hours north in a safer zone away from the coast. So she called her Aunt Terry, inviting her and Charlie to come stay with her for a few days while the storm passes. Terry cautiously asked Charlie if they could go stay with Michelle, since she knew Charlie was always opposed to evacuating. But surprisingly, he agreed. Admittedly, Charlie was agreeable because he thought Michelle was hot, and even several of his co-workers have said that he used to call her Victoria's Secret because to him, she looked like a Victoria's Secret model. But also possibly because he may have seen her Victoria's Secret underwear at some point. I don't know though, either way, it's creepy because Charlie is 10 years her senior and married to her aunt. It's just very inappropriate. Sounds but, very southern to me. <laughs> no. Well, it's it not, not his blood. It's not his blood niece. It's Who just, fucking it's, cares? That's disgusting. No, that I'm is, not saying it's okay. I'm just saying that it's not. Well, don't blood. say it wasn't her blood because or wasn't what his if, blood because it's okay, disgusting. What if she was trapped in a dryer? What happens then? Yeah, yeah. And only her butt's sticking out. Yeah, what happens then? Well, she's stupid. <laughs> Anyways, but just to emphasize the points a bit, here's an actual quote from one of his coworkers. On Thursday, he specifically told me, if this comes, I'm going to Victoria's Secret's house. Now, this girl has it all. She's intelligent, has a good job, and she has a good home. She can't find a good boyfriend. The last guy she had was divorced. He didn't even have a car. I just don't understand it. So, he's just out here telling everybody. He doesn't... He- this is Victoria's Secret. He's not even like trying to hide it. I guess that's like buddy talk. I assume he thinks like uh, just guys talking in uh what did, what did Trump say? It's locker room talk. Yeah, it's just locker room talk. Water cooler talk. Hmm. But aside from uh, finding his niece attractive, he also thought she was very impressive. Michelle Jones was a very successful woman. She was a sales executive at the Golf Channel. She made plenty of money, and aside from just thinking she was hot, Charlie was really impressed with Michelle because she had a nice home with a pool and jacuzzi, and it was just all overall well off. Wait, sales executive at the Golf Channel. Yeah, I think she, um, I, I, I didn't go into detail because I don't know if it's just like she. Like the TV um, show? Like the Golf yeah, Channel? Yeah, like the Golf Channel, literally. Like I think she sold uh, commercial, commercial um, space time. A golf Channel? Yeah. yeah, there's a Golf yeah. Channel. It's yeah, the best thing to fall asleep the most boring thing on well TV. that's why you fall asleep to it I yeah. just background noise yeah yeah but i think I, if i remember i could be wrong uh she sold a commercial space and she would like handle like millions of dollars like they, she was very well respected and like trusted in the field so she she had her shit together she was 37 38 um, and she had been working, actually, she worked for Fox Sports and stuff like that before that. And she, you know, she had a very storied and um, successful career. So she, you know, she had her shit together. She was a, just a, and like her house was super nice and like a nice part of Florida. Um, but this wasn't the first time Terry and Charlie would stay with their niece either. And, and the other time was during a hurricane back in 1999. There was a Category 2 storm and it did a lot of damage to Charlie's house. Uh, so they stayed with Michelle while they got it fixed up. And they were there for a couple days, a couple weeks. I don't remember exactly, but they were there for a while. So they decided they were just going to make this a little vacation and drink wine and have dinner and just relax and visit for a few days. Charlie uh, might even take a day to visit his dad and sister Jessica that lived about an hour-ish away from Michelle. You know, just make it fun. Make just have a mini vacation so they arrived at michelle's on saturday september 11th while hurricane charlie had swelled to a category five 
The first thing Charlie did was call and tell his dad and Jessica that they had arrived safely and, you know, make plans. I would see you soon. I'm not sure exactly, but at some point during the weekend, I'll come visit you guys because you're only an hour out. So they is, spent the day at Michelle's. What? Is the category five the worst? Yes, yes. that's by far the worst. Okay. Not, not even Katrina was okay. five. I, hold on. Katrina was probably five out in the water and then just, it's... It went down to a three. I, ha- I have to correct you. I'm sorry. For what? The hurricane that is happening at this time is Hurricane Ivan. Hurricane Charlie was in August. No, they, they say it's explicitly Hurricane Charlie. I read the book many times. Then the timing times. was off because Charlie was August. September 2nd, 2004 was when Ivan formed. Well, there was three. Hur- they called this hurricane the year of hurricanes because there were three that year. Yes. No, there were six named, I believe. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that were Hurricane coming towards Ivan them. was the Category 5, though, that devastated most and the book of is, the Caribbean. This is straight from the book. The book is completely wrong. Then I don't, so, I don't there's later, so, look, wrong. there's later in August. Okay, so there were right four notable author. storms. Hurricane Charlie was made landfall as a Category 4 and caused $16 billion in damage. Later in August, Hurricane Francis struck the Bahamas in Florida, Causing at least 30, 49 deaths and 10.1 billion in damage, and then the coolest and most intense, coolest, oh, costliest and most intense, the coolest storm. hurricane. <laughs> I know. I was like, the coolest the hurricane was Hurricane, hurricane Ivan. <laughs> it, it um devastated multiple adjacent countries to the Caribbean before entering the Gulf of Mexico, causing catastrophic damage to the Gulf of Mexico and the United States, especially the states of Alabama and Florida. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm telling you, I got this. I listened Francis. to the book. Well, I'm Okay, that's fine. I mean, I'm just, you know, hurricanes you could kind be of right. thing. I'm so, not sure. You know. Oh, I, I am. I am. I am. Okay. All right. Well. I think I'm not going to back off of. All right. Okay, so whatever hurricane it was, it just came in. Now, okay, no, no. Come on now. It's Francis, probably, because <laughs> late in August. <laughs> the, more, the more you know. I'm just going to put the graphic over you, dude. I don't know why you keep doing that. <laughs> it's a, a placemarker, so you know where to put yeah. it. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that is actually a good idea. Yeah. It's really hard because otherwise I, I have it. to look at all two. Oh, yep. Trademark. Yep. Trademark. So, like I said, when they got there, they spent the day at Michelle's. The next day, Sunday, they decided to visit Charlie's family. So they drove an hour out to Orlando and got there at about 2 p.m. They visited his dad, Herbert, and then they had dinner at Jessica's house. And overall, it was like a nice little visit. Although, so at some point during the day, Charlie has started complaining that they shouldn't even have evacuated. And he wanted to go back home the next morning. And that night, Charlie called his older sister, Angie, to come and visit. But Angie was like, oh, I'm sorry, dude, I can't make it out tonight. It's just too late in the day. But, you know, we can hang out tomorrow morning or during the day, you know, sometime tomorrow. Uh, and then Charlie was like, nah, it's fine. I have to go back to um, Terry and I have to go back to Michelle's to pack up. And Angie's like, OK, cool. I don't know who Michelle is, but for sure, we'll catch you some other time. Um, so, you know, they wanted to leave the next day. Then later that same day, because they got back to Michelle's seven or eight whatever it was, and the hurricane's path at that point had already shifted and ended up missing the keys and heading towards Alabama. Because of that, Charlie suddenly wasn't in such a hurry to get back to the keys. I'm not sure what changed and why he decided, oh, well, fuck it, now that there's no hurricane, I'm just going to go ahead and stay. I don't know where the, it doesn't make it clear why he decided that, and I don't think we'll ever know. A few days had passed, and by Wednesday, September 15th, Michelle's mother, Mary Lou, had started to get worried since she had not spoken to her daughter in a few days. And that was weird because Mary Lou and Michelle had like a great relationship and would talk every single day. As 
seeing how it's been like three, at least three days, maybe four days since she last talked to her daughter, obviously she's getting, she's going to try and find out what's happening. She's getting a little worried. Michelle had three best friends that lived close to her, and they were such good friends that they all had keys to each other's house. Mary Lou knew this, so she called up her friend Debbie Knight and explained her concerns because she had received a call from Michelle's job on Monday because she hadn't shown up to work all week. So she asked Debbie if she could please go over and just check to see what was up and more importantly, to make sure she was okay. Debbie instantly agreed because she hadn't heard from her friend either. As Debbie was looking for Michelle's key, she was overcome with this sick feeling in her stomach. Something, something wasn't right. And she then explained to her husband, you know, what was going on. And even though he had asked her, like, he was like, hey, do you need me to come with you? Which is strange because he, usually that he wouldn't have done that, but I, maybe there was just an overall air of something's wrong. You know what I mean? There's just a feeling and everyone can sense it. So she's like, nah, you don't got to go with me. It's all good. I'm just going to be a few minutes. Uh, I'm just going to go check and then come back. On the drive over, though, Debbie had asked their friend Lisa to meet her at Michelle's. And of course, Lisa was on her way before the call was even over. She's like, of course, I'll be right there. When Debbie pulled up to Michelle's house, the first thing she noticed was Charlie and Terry Subawu in the driveway. She oh, parked the car real Subawu. Huh? Both of you look, both of you are like, did I hear right? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I thought maybe you had a stroke. Look, there's there's a typo in my notes and I just went with it, okay? It was supposed to say Subaru, but it says Subaru, all right? Like, I don't, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm, uh, I'm in a movie called Anchorman. I don't know what to tell you. A Forwister. It might have been a Forwister, not a Forwister. Not an Impuesta. I think it was a Forwister. There you go. You see what that sounds Anyways, like? Anyways. Awesome. Oh. Four. Forwister. The cockies. I gotta find my cockies. Find <laughs> my cockies to my Forster. My oh. cockies and my cockies. <laughs> Stupid. So Michelle parked the car real quick, just anywhere in the driveway, just kind of like pulled up, fuck it, this is a good place to park. And her brain went straight to the worst case scenarios. Like as soon as she stepped out, she was like, fuck, they're all dead. Like they died from asphyxiation or they were all electrocuted in her jacuzzi. Who knows what could have happened to them? Something happened to these people. I know it. So she's anxiously like trying to fumble for her keys. And she pulled out what she thought was the right key and tried to unlock the door. But she was shaking too much to get the key in the hole. And when she calmed down enough to fit the key, she realized she had brought the wrong fucking house key. She didn't even have it with her. She was just so uh, anxious and, and didn't know what to do with herself. She didn't even grab the right key from her house. So she started screaming her friend's name and banging on the front door. There was no answer. She ran around the house and banged on all the windows. No answer. Frantic and anxious, she ran to the next door neighbor's house and screamed for help, but no one was home. So she ran across the street and spotted a man walking out of his garage. Garage. So she ran over and begged the man to help her get into Michelle's house. <laughs> You're going to turn all, all your uh, R's into W's? Uh, out of the garage. So she ran over and begged <laughs> the man to help her get into Michelle's house. I suppose that it seems like the typos, the typos want me to I'm, fuck I'm gonna this up, now. I guess. I'm going to change all your R's into W's and see how this goes. <laughs> Let's try it. Right. The guy we spawned by running over to his car. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay. Uh, no, no, I don't like it. It's, it feels weird on my mouth. Well, so the guy responded. I think Wabin. Up. I'm in. 
I can't do that. I can't. My brain doesn't work that way. So the guy responded by running over to his car to grab his cat. His, actually, it doesn't say cat. It says gat. It doesn't say cat. <laughs> oh, we're on one day. Words Man. are hard. Words are words. So he ran over to his car to grab his gat. Okay, back to serious because this gets gnarly. Okay. So he ran over to grab his gun in case there really was something wrong. Together, they walked back over to Michelle's and the neighbor tried using the key Debbie had Debbie had tried earlier, but it still didn't work because it was the wrong key. So Debbie begged the guy to break the front window. He said no, but he did walk around to the back of the house and look through the little window on the garage door. Debbie looked through as well. Suddenly, the neighbor pushed her back super hard and Debbie fell to the ground, but it was too late. She had already seen it. There inside Michelle's garage was a man hanging by the neck from the rafters. The neighbor quickly called 911 and even though Debbie had only seen one person hanging, she definitely heard the neighbor tell the dispatcher that there were multiple deaths. Lisa had arrived around the same time the police had and everybody was pushed back across the street. Michelle's house had been cordoned off by yellow police tape, more police and EMS and fire had arrived on scene and from their vantage point, Debbie and Lisa watched as three police officers ran out of the house and threw up in the front yard. After that, a police officer had then approached them and asked them if they could please describe Michelle to them. And when they did, the police confirmed that their friend was not only dead, but had been murdered. Now, this is the part where, uh, again, even though this is a serial killer series, just want to give you another heads up that this is trigger warnings all around. This gets incredibly tough to hear pretty much from here on out. All right. So inside, police found Terry slumped over on the living room couch. She had been stabbed seven times. Charlie was the man that was hanging in the garage from the rafters by a bed sheet. In the bedroom, they found Michelle lying on the bed with a single stab wound to the chest. But that was the least of her injuries. Michelle had been completely decapitated. Her heart had been cut out of her chest and her breasts had also been cut off her body and placed next to her. Her intestines had been ripped out and thrown in the trash. This is already up there with Richard Chase on sheer gruesomeness, but this guy took it up a notch because they found Michelle's head placed near the bed facing the carnage. And police believe this was done in a way so that Michelle had to bear witness to what was about to happen to her body. I mean, not literally, but symbolically, you know, like obviously she couldn't see what was happening. Her, her head's cut off, um, but she is like the killer wanted her to watch what was happening. You know what I mean? Um, just another way to disrespect the body after death. Uh, kind of add insult to injury there. Isn't there something about your brain will continue to live for a certain amount of time after your head's cut off? I think I've heard something like that. I think there were tests back in the good old days. I think six seconds. Uh, the I think because the guy had taken a note of people who were decapitated by guillotine and they he noted, I think, that the that's ner- no. They're still like blinking and stuff. Yeah, they're still blinking those are, afterwards. Those are just. Well, also, there's also no way to tell what you recognize that is after death. Not possible. Those are just nerve, like post. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, there's no way to know actual you, knowledge until your brain bleeds out. No, you're, I mean, a chicken will continue cord, running. Regardless, a chicken will continue running. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, what? With their head cut off. You cut off the head, the chicken will continue going. 
Like I, there's, there's no, there's no reason to even debate this because there's no way to know for sure what we see after death. There's no way to know. You can't, can't cut someone's head off, head off and then be like, Hey man, what do you see? And they respond because that's not possible. So who knows what your brain records? I don't think. I just need to be pointed in the direction of the video with a chicken's head cut off and it You haven't heard that expression? Away. Running around Absolutely like a chicken's not. head cut off? Oh yeah, I have heard that. Yeah, yeah you I have probably heard used that, it. Yeah. But I don't know what that meant. Chill just now. Meant you're just uh, running around aimlessly because you don't have a head. Like a chicken. Yeah, like I, I I thought like that. Like clearly I'm not thinking people actually run around without a head. Right. Okay, whatever. So it took the police like no time at all to conclude the more that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me fucking Google that. So it took the police no time to decide that after dinner, Charlie had stabbed his wife Terry to death and left her on the couch. Then he had taken his time with Michelle and did everything he had ever wanted to do to her. He had even left Victoria's Secret underwear that he had ripped up and slashed at with his knife all over the bedroom floor. Like, they were just scattered everywhere, specifically Victoria's Secret, and it says, the ones that say Victoria's Secret. So, once he was satisfied, he took a shower, cleaned up real good, changed into a white shirt and blue shorts, then he grabbed a clean sheet and calmly made a noose, grabbed a stepladder, put the noose around his neck, tightened it, then kicked the ladder away. Not only did police put together that Charlie had eviscerated these women, they also pretty much immediately noticed similarities to a case from 1979, when a woman named Sherry Parisha was found in a small boat under a bridge in almost identical fashion to Michelle. Then slowly but surely they noticed the same trademark ritualistic style killings in South Florida in 26 other cases. Uh, right, so now, um, they're, now they're piecing things together. So after they right, saw this, now they like, are. hold on a second. Mm-hmm. This is uh, starting to make sense. I just don't really see mm, okay. what do you see what this, this is like he just it almost seems like an episode of snapped okay but like it is uh, no the real life Wait, there was no real? as far as we know there's no trigger to what happened to these two women it just he just snapped i mean i mean no one can know for sure what happened in the hours leading up to it because everyone involved who was there no longer living so it's just one of those unfortunate things where we'll just never know like what happened leading up to it so it's just one of those sad realities you know yeah. mm -hmm. so police had made contact with charlie's family to let them know that he was dead and to tell them what he had done obviously his family were shocked and had told the police they thought it was a little weird that he had even come to visit them in the first place because he usually never did then it was even weirder that during the goodbyes, Charlie had held on while hugging his family goodbye for like longer than usual, which threw everyone off, that is, except for his older sister, Angie, the one that didn't come over that night. The main reason that she didn't come over to hang out with Charlie that Sunday when he came to visit is because it was starting to get dark and she straight up did not want to be around him when the sun went down and that's why she wanted to hang out the next morning. She just flat refused to be in the same house as the guy when the sun was gone. Kind of and the red, she, red flags there. Yep. Yeah. yeah this is this is what Emily has a problem with, and I'm sure yeah. she'll once we get into it, she'll uh, she'll oh start gosh. talking. 
My eyes could not roll further back in my fucking it's, head right now if they tried. It's true. She was watching that uh, 48 Hours documentary. She's like, wait, give me a... Are you fucking kidding me? No one knew. Anyways, we'll get into it. So the reason Angie had no desire to see her brother at night and by extension never let her husband and especially her kids see their uncle when the sun went down goes back 34 years to when she was 15 and Charlie was 13. On January 3rd, 1971 in Fort Wayne, Indiana, the family had eaten dinner and then they all gathered around their brand new color TV to watch a TV show called FBI, which I have never even heard of at all, ever. I don't, I've never heard the show FBI. Off channel either. I don't think I've heard of it either. I don't think I've heard of FBI. I don't know what that is, honestly. Like, I couldn't even tell you. It's probably show about the FBI. Yeah. That sounds a little too obvious. I don't think that's it, Will. I think it's little, probably little like the CSI there. and NCIS. Yeah. Just like the precursor to it. True crime shows forever. All those so, alphabets. Mm-hmm. So anyways, like uh, around nine or ten, it's, uh, different recollections of it. Um, Charlie had walked into his parents' bedroom and grabbed his dad's Ruger, I believe it was, which was loaded because 1971 and then quietly watched his parents doing their nightly routine in the bedroom, well, in the bathroom, sorry. His mom, Ilse, was so Ilsa was soaking in the bath, just relaxing and reading a magazine, you know, just unwinding because she was eight months pregnant, while his dad, Herbert, was shaving. Suddenly, Charlie raised his arm and pointed the gun at his dad, which, by the way, neither of them had any idea he was even there. He was just quietly watching them, and they had no idea he was even standing in the room with them. Then suddenly, he pulled the trigger and shot his dad three times in the back. When his mom realized what was happening, she screamed, Charlie, no! Then just a second later, she said, Charlie, don't! Angela, call the police! Then he pulled the trigger again and again until it was empty. A few seconds later, Charlie had walked into Angela's room, and Angela stood there frozen, just looking at her younger brother with a gun in his hand. She watched as he lifted his arm and pulled the trigger, but there was only a click. Charlie hadn't realized that the gun was empty, so he threw it on the ground, and somehow Angela had enough sense to kick the gun under the bed as far away from Charlie as possible. As soon as she did that, Charlie lunged at her, hitting her hard. Angela fought back, though, which in an interview she she actually says, This was the first physical altercation I'd ever been in. I guess I won because I'm here to tell about it. Charlie managed to get on top of Angela and started strangling her. And while he was doing that, Angela was crying and screaming, Charlie, I love you. Why, Charlie, I love you. And slowly, Angela could see the blank expression on his face soften to his regular face, and then he completely snapped out of it. What did I do? I don't know, but I think he shot Dad. Oh, I did? I don't know, but get off me so we can figure it out. What are we going to do? I don't know, because I don't know what you've done. I think you've killed or done something to mom or, mom or dad. I think we got to go downstairs. We can run away to a hippie commune. At this point, Angela was trying to just trying to keep Charlie calm and said whatever she could, like running away to a hippie commune because she just wanted to get downstairs so she could bolt for the door and get as far away from her brother as possible. When they both got downstairs, she saw the axe they kept by the door. So she stopped and looked back at Charlie, hoping that he didn't see it either. And she said, Wait, it's cold outside and our little sisters are going to need blankets. Why don't you go back upstairs and get some? Charlie agreed, 
but knew something was up. So he slowly climbed the stairs, but did it backwards and staring at his older sister. Then he said, Angie, if I go up there, you're not going to leave me, are you? Angie's like, of course not. But as soon as she felt he was far enough away, she ran out the front door and she just ran screaming into the night and through the snow. She reached the neighbor's house and banged on the door, but there was no answer. So she ran to the next house. And by that time, she could hear Charlie who had come outside and he was screaming, Angie, you promised me you wouldn't leave me. When she reached the next house on the street, she didn't even bother knocking. She just reached for the handle, and luckily it wasn't locked. When she made it inside, she saw the family sitting at the table playing cards, and that family looked up to see a terrified and blood-covered teenager that screamed, I think Charlie killed my mom and dad. The men of that house ran outside to go check, just as the police had showed up with the lights and sirens. What Angela didn't know was that while she was fighting Charlie and making her escape, their dad had somehow managed to drag himself to the phone and call the cops. Uh, any thoughts I'm, on that? What? Where were the two little sisters when Angie was like, fuck They're, this, I'm out of here? I think one of them had literally turned two the day before, and the other one was around the same age. Very, very young. Okay, so clearly, like, let's just start off with Charlie is... He's lost his marbles at this point. Mm -hmm. um, something has happened. He has snapped. Um, he probably was told he had to go to bed on time or he couldn't play outside till the streetlights came on and he got pissed off and, you know, whatever. Shit kids do today. Um, but they were like, uh, she was like clearly trying to like distract him or whatever long enough to like get the fuck out of the house. But like, why was he going to go get blankets for the kids that were still in their rooms upstairs. That's just what she came up with as an excuse to get him away from her. It's just what she said in the moment. She she didn't exactly plan it out. She was just thinking, I need to get away from my brother and I need him I need an excuse to get him away from my brother. Okay. So I just okay. I mean think about what you would do. Your brother had just attacked you and you saw a clear distinction in his face from when he was attacking you to when he snapped out of it. And so you're trying, your self-preservation kicks in and your attacker is your brother. So, I mean, you, I, no, I don't I know what that. you. I just don't know that I, my first reaction would be like, our sisters need blankets because first of all, he just, if he just attacked me and, you know, psychotically, he's, if he's going to go chase our little sisters or go get them, they're, defenseless and he would definitely have killed them yeah i'm not saying it's a perfect plan she definitely was in self-preservation i get that like she's she's 15 like she's she's doing what she can like i don't i don't know the correct answer in any of this like i don't know if there is one um it's just one of those whatever you can do to survive basically yeah i'm wondering if they ran out after the gunshots <clears throat> as well like where was the mom unless she was just like hanging out with with dad who had just been shot Mom was shot as well. Mom was shot. In the bathtub. And mom is eight months pregnant. Maybe I missed that part. You did. <laughs> okay. Definitely did. Maybe I didn't make it clear. I don't know. Uh, I just got the shot dad in the back uh, thingy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I screamed, Charlie killed my mom and dad, but I don't remember. Like, 
There was a lot yeah, going if on. I didn't, if, in case it is my fault, I need to make it clear. He shot his dad three times in the back, and then uh, I think there was five bullets out of eight or six in chambered. I don't remember how many it was, but there was only five bullets in the gun, I believe. So he shot his dad three times in the back and then shot his mom twice, and then the gun clicked because there was no more ammo. Uh, okay. So when she was screaming, and don't, she, that's when he started right, pulling just, the trigger again at her. Yes. And ah. I think he shot her in the chest, heart region, and then another time somewhere else. But she was eight months pregnant. Um, and his dad ended up surviving, and his mom did pass away that night and the and the eight month old Mm -hmm. they both not eight month old baby unborn baby eight month old unborn baby correct (laughs) yes his youngest sibling that had yet to be born Mm -hmm. okay 32 week fetus don't call it a fetus why isn't it a fetus until it's born I think um, when now you refer split, to a, we're, we're splitting straws now. We are yeah. because I think once you refer to a murder of a pregnant woman and the baby passes, also I don't believe it's considered a fetus after that. I think Legally, it's but I think scientifically, that's well, scientifically, correct. I don't, anyway, you don't really yeah, need to get tomato, in that debate. Tomato, yeah, tomato, I, don't, tomato, tomato. I don't know if that's relevant at all. So. Uh, so in the aftermath of that night, Charlie had been arrested and sent to a psychiatric ward for a year where he was evaluated. And during that time, they never really came up with a reason why he did what he did. I mean, he told the psychiatrist how, you know, he was a chubby kid and was bullied in school. He didn't really have any friends growing up. And then he told a story of something traumatic that happened just one week before the murder of his mother. So they had been on Christmas vacation in Florida. And his dad wanted Charlie to be more of a man because, oh yeah, actually this is, I didn't write it down, but it's very interesting. So his parents are from German descent and his dad was literally part of Hitler's youth. Literally, he was in the Hitler youth camp. And so when they migrated to the U.S. in, um, where did I say this take place? Florida? Florida? Uh, No, 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 not yet. They're not in Florida yet. Uh, When he, hmm. Cleveland. Uh. Fort Indiana. They're from Indiana. Indiana. Sorry, Fort Wayne, Indiana. It just hit me. I was going to uh, say Midwest. Close to Ohio. Yeah, so, That's close enough. Mm, yeah, close enough. They're all the same. But uh, yeah, so Midwest. yeah, his dad was, his. they're both They're both German, right? Uh, Ilsa and Herbert. And his dad, like I said, was literally part of part of Hitler's youth. Literally. Wait, what, what is Hitler's youth? I'm sorry. I'm, what does it sound like to you? Super ignorant. But like, is what, it the people he held captive or... No, he, he was training to become. Like, he was indoctrinating the youth. He his famous to become quote was to to own the future you have to, or to control the future or to own the future you have to control the youth or opposite. That was his famous quote. So he knew indoctrinating people at a very young age was the way to get people to get do what he wants. So he had what's called Hitler Youth, and they were little Nazis essentially or being trained to be Nazis. Uh, and it's unclear whether he accepted the thought process or not. I don't know if that it's not really relevant, but what is relevant is that he was a manly man, I suppose hunted and did all this. And he, you know, like I said, uh, Charlie is a chubby little kid who got bullied and wasn't manly. So to fix this while they were on vacation in Florida, Christmas, 
1970, he took him hunting. And during that time, the family dog, which was really Charlie's only friend, well, Charlie's only friend, the dog, I think it was a beagle, had been shot dead. And there are different accounts of what had happened, but the gist is that the dog was supposed to fetch a bird that dad had shot. And it was actually a bird that Charlie was supposed to shoot, but couldn't pull the trigger, so his dad shot him. And when the dog went to fetch the bird, the dog never came out of the bushes with the bird. So the dad shot at the bush and ended up hitting the dog twice. The dad says it was to scare the dog out and hitting the animal was an accident. But to Charlie, this was all done on purpose because his dad was just frustrated. He just, he shot at, he didn't care if he shot the dog or not. He shot twice into the bush and hit him two times. Um, and the worst part of all this is that Charlie had just witnessed his best friend get shot dead and was still expected to keep hunting with his dad and not complain. So Charlie stifled his tears as much as he could and left the dog in the field and continued forced to be hunt or was forced to continue hunting with his dad. That, um. that was just what happens. And that was a week before uh, he killed his mom and shot his dad. So is that a major contributing oh, factor of him snapping? Starting to make sense now, ain't it? Yeah, I'm not real, real clear on mom yet, but dad sounds like yeah, the actually, uh, of art. It said that um, it's very confusing why he shot his mom at all because he was very close to his mother. Like they had a very good relationship. They, there was no obvious turmoil between them. I, and, and I, I imagine he was because she might have just been collateral damage in his blackout. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Thank you. That's exactly what I was trying to get at. Like he was obviously in a blackout state where he wasn't exactly sure what was happening. If you know Angie is to be believed that he snapped out of it, and he was obvious that he was not in control, and he he didn't even know that he shot his parents five minutes later. You know what I mean? So they call it all could be maybe it was the dog was a trigger, or maybe he really did just have these blackout moments where he didn't know what he was doing and there's just no record of it before you know it, it could be anything there's really no way to tell because he's dead but anyways like i said he spent a year just one year in psych evaluation away from everybody and i know emily had a problem with this because oh real big fucking problem yeah but it's 1971 so from 1971 to 1972 it, it's i don't i don't even think they gave him meds to try and control any kind of disorder he may have had at all i don't care if it was 23 bc um the fact that he was um declared like of sound mind had no psychiatric disorders at all yeah they basically said basically said this was a this was a one-off is what they came up with yeah what will what'd you say said this wasn't even a thing in 23 bc but i'm just saying if it was okay i, I don't give a shit what year it was you know what i'm saying yeah yeah but um the fact that he was deemed of sound mind had no psychiatric issues and diagnosed with absolutely zero mental health issues is yeah that's a problem absolutely fucking insane yeah but, but also mental health wasn't big in 23 bc no, i'm just kidding in, 19, just... in the 1970s <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't a big it didn't have the same push as it has now where it's like no i get, get that. mental health and and we have uh, tons and tons of different psychiatric disorders now 
back then it was like, uh, I don't know. You just, he, he made bad decisions. I don't know. He got pissed off. Yeah. I they they literally that. said this was a one-off. They were like, oh, he's never going to do this again. This is just a fluke. I don't know. He just snapped and it's never going to happen again. That's literally how they thought of it. It was a, it was a glitch but that's in what I'm saying, though. Like, they knew that he, quote unquote, snapped. So, like, you don't snap for no reason and you don't just snap back to normal and then never I'm have reality like this yeah oh there goes gravity <laughs> i'm not continuing this bullshit <laughs> i'm seriously like that doesn't happen so i feel like one a hundred percent the system started right there that was the issue to begin with because clearly the child needed help and having only spent one year being evaluated or i'm probably sure he spent like a week being evaluated and then he just sat there the rest of the damn year and that was it you're probably right but nothing people, was done. People snap all the time when it comes to like they had an anger issue and they snapped. Can you diagnose yeah, someone but, with a psychiatric disorder of being angry? If it's a one-off, if they never, if they never show you that side of them again, can you really evaluate it? Yes, you can. You can have yeah, them. And you say, I don't know. Through... just snapped. Everything built up, and I just snapped. You know, it was a straw that but broke they can the camel's go to back. Therapy then... or anger management or like something, some In sort the of 70s? therapy. Well, no, I'm not saying like I'm. He's just a. Yeah, you got to remember. You really have to. You really got to remember the time period we talk about this. Like we're, in the 70s. we're, we're not talking about 2022. We're talking about then. Yeah, it'd probably be a different conversation of like, ooh. Oh, absolutely. If this was this year, even or even the last five to ten years, you'd be like, what the fuck? Why wasn't he evaluated for longer? He's clearly a menace. But the 1970s, people didn't give a fuck. People did not give a fuck. Like, okay, so I don't like, you know overstep or like talk further about what you're going to talk about but like the just the whole s system and then the fucking next no, steps after no, that I, I can i can agree but that's this is why we have the system we have now because of things like this it, you know everything leads to today i mean this not if this hadn't happened there would still be progress but this is a clear example of younger people like i think you said it earlier when you know when we're talking about this earlier today is that he probably should have been held till he was 18 or, you know, minimum. Yeah. That's five years. Transferred yeah. to an adult facility at some point. Like there, you don't just murder your mother and get to spend a year in a psych ward being yeah. diagnosed with zero psychiatric disorders and then still not have to pay for the crime you committed, regardless of if you were blacked out or not. I hear you. And actually one of the questions the psychiatrist asked him is why he had done it. And he said, I don't know. Everything just sort of snapped in my mind. I felt like I never felt before. Like I said before, he only spent a year in this place. Um, and like we were just talking about, uh, th like they just concluded that he, this was a fluke and a one-time thing. And then after that, his dad took custody of him and um, they ended up moving to South Florida because I think the community had rallied and kind of got him banned from the area. They canceled him in 1971. They had enough sense to fucking do that. But his father did not, nor did anyone in that fucking hospital, nor any type of law enforcement. That's that's a that's a hole I'm not going to go into because I, I wouldn't give up on my kid. Projecting their anger to the you, wrong people here. I'm not mad at you guys. I'm mad at this whole situation that this all could have been avoided. Yeah, I mean, well, the family basically never talked uh, about it again. Like, it was just done. You, like, it was like, we're, it, it happened, move on type of thing. And like, I, not that I wouldn't talk about it again. I would, it would definitely be something that I would constantly be thinking about. But I, if my kid is 14 now and he had been in a psych, 
psychiatric ward for a year and doctors had agreed that what you know it's a fluke and I, even then I'm not going to give up on my kid. Okay, you best believe that our 12-year-old or 6 almost 7-year-old shot us and then had to spend a year in a psych ward and then they were deemed to be cool to go home. Fuck them. Fuck that hospital. And fuck whoever allows that shit to happen because they ain't coming back in my motherfucking house. Octavia, okay, well, not answer, at all. Don't answer well, the question. My, it's a trap. No, no. No, well, the good thing about this if scenario is if we were the brands, you're dead, so it doesn't really matter what you believe. Bitch. Oh. And okay. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm bringing my kid home. Yeah, so see? I don't blame the dad at all. You are nuts, dude. Seriously, you would let our kids come home after that? Like, they killed me and your I, unborn child and tried was, to kill you. There's a gun underneath my pillow now. Is, is the main difference. And then we're just gonna skip town and act like it never happened. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. It's healthy. It's a healthy thing to do. Yeah. Oh Remember, he's uh, you? Super, super healthy. He's, he's, You're really he's making me rethink he's this. Jumping, whole... He's hitting all you, so you don't know <laughs> his mindset. You could have just been like, yeah. "Shit, yeah, that happened all the time." Whatever, dude. It could be that you got to take that. I didn't think about that, but yeah, good point. Well, he was <laughs> oh Hitler God. Youth. He, yeah. He's probably like. Ah, shit happens. Uh, I, yeah. don't I don't know. I figured out. A father's love, either way. Like I, I think it comes down to father's love. He's a father's love. Yes, that is one thing. Love him through fucking plexiglass. He is not okay. You could not be that naive to, to think that, to, that just because they said he's okay to go home, that you would pick his ass up from jail or to from be the fair, board. To be fair. Oh, you got my pen clicking. Oh, I'm so mad. To, to be fair, fast forward 34 years, and they still had no idea that he was a serial killer. They thought that it was a one and done their whole life. So the, to them, it's like, yeah, this is a good choice. He never fucked with anyone ever again. Obviously, yeah. that's not true, but, you know, they're, I don't know. Um, Doctors are like, well, egg on my face, huh? Uh, ignorance is bliss in this case. Yeah. Very much so. So back in 2004... Uh, you know, we're, we're back in today or when the last murder happened, a man named Jim Graves had heard about what happened and quickly made his way to the police station and was basically like, guys, why haven't you contacted me? You really need to talk to me. And it turns out this Jim Graves guy had been Angela's husband in the mid 1970s, but you know, they got divorced soon afterwards. Anyway, Angela had confided in him, uh, what had actually happened because hardly anybody knew the truth, including Charlie's two youngest sisters up until 2000 I'm sorry who's Angela his older, older sister older sister so okay I, I was this confused is, about the time this is in the future yeah I know, we're back like, in 2004 I thought you said that travel. it was her husband was in the mid 70s but this happened in 70s in the 70s and then fast forward 32 years she no, they were married in like seven uh, right after they moved to Florida, he met, she met, Angela met Jim, and then they got married soon after. I think probably, I want to say 75, 76, they got married. And they were divorced by like 79, okay. I want to say. Okay. Pretty, it, was, it was a short, because they were, he's a, uh, Jim is a musician, and, you know, that's what she liked about him. At first, and just like most women, uh, she couldn't handle his passion anymore, and got actually mad at him and divorced him because he was never around anymore. He's always off playing gigs and doing what he wanted to do, having fun with his life. And while she worked a restaurant job, nine to, you know, maybe even late at night. So she just had a lot of uh, resentment towards him. And she ended up having an affair. Well, I think I'll talk about it later, but she ended up having an affair and moved on. So they were married in the mid-70s, mid to late 70s, right? 
And like I was saying when he interrupted me, uh, his sorry, Charlie's two youngest sisters didn't know the truth. They thought she had died in a car accident. And when in 2004, when Charlie killed himself and his wife and niece, um, that's what they thought. They never knew the truth. Oh my God. <laughs> well, Jim, like I was talking about, Jim Graves had his own stories to tell about what happened after they moved to Florida. By 1977, not only did Jim know about what happened, he actually became really good friends with Charlie. Such good friends, in fact, that when Jim went off to college and Charlie's original plans of taking flight school fell through, uh, I think because of this, because of the 1971 murder, I don't think they let him fly planes. Probably a good call. Um, anyways, he wasn't allowed in flight school and uh, his mom offered to take him in because in 1973, uh, Herbert actually remarried and moved back to Indiana with his two youngest daughters while Angela stayed with her grandparents. So Jim, or uh, sorry, Charlie moved in with Jim's mom. And Jim's mom knew the truth, but she was a woman of God and she thought that everyone deserves second chances. Plus, like if all the doctors agreed that he was harmless and this was a fluke type of thing, that was good enough for her. I mean, who is she to judge? She's not a scientist or doctor. So she's like, okay, well, I'm... Um, Second, you know, everyone deserves a redemption and doctors say he's cool. So, so like I said, things were going well for a while until one day Jim had come to visit, come home to visit and stayed for dinner. They talked for a while and, you know, eventually the conversation turned to local news and Jim's mom mentioned how she had heard from a neighbor that a 13 year old severed head had been found in a paint can. And when she said this, Charlie burst out in maniacal laughter just started fucking laughing his face off about it and uh this terrified jim because just about a year earlier when angela had an affair and then left him for that same guy jim and charlie had gone on a fishing trip for a few days and um the second night or second day maybe they were there um so the first night they got super high and just hanging out the second day they got went out on a boat nice. and got drunk all fucking day uh, and they were just hanging out on the boat, like drinking a bunch. And um, so Jim was just like shit talking his uh, Charlie's sister, his ex-wife. And he was just listening to him just shit talk and say whatever he had to say. And he was just listening. Cool. Like, get it out of your chest, Jim. It's, it's fine. And when Jim got it all out, Charlie responded with. You know what the perfect revenge is, don't you? Huh? The perfect revenge is you kill somebody and then eat their heart. What? I'll take that into consideration there, Charlie. Thanks for that advice, man. I don't. Yeah. Thank you. You gotta try sometime. You kill them? You don't knock it till you try it, I guess. And then you eat their heart. Perfect revenge. S sound advice, man. Sound advice. You're welcome. So, so when Charlie laughed at the head in the paint can, Jim instinctively knew, like, uh, Charlie's probably responsible for this he's just like this feels off i know what i know about charlie's past and what he said last year there's a good chance that charlie's probably responsible didn't do anything about it though so but what he did do was um after this like pretty soon after this jim suggested charlie move out of his mom's house uh like can you please get the fuck out of my mom's house and go live with some friends down the street please <laughs> uh which is probably probably a good call Probably a good call. Uh, pretty dangerous guy. Um, 
only one person thought that ever, apparently. Mm, I'd say two people. So after it came out that Charlie was a killer, another friend named Donald recalled the night before they were supposed to go on a fishing trip. They had hit a bar and stayed there drinking until the bar closed. Then at about like three o'clock in the morning, Donald had woke, woken up and heard Charlie leave the apartment and just didn't come back. And it was strange because remember, they were supposed to leave the next day, like pretty early in the morning on their fishing trip. Um, but unfortunately, it was storming the next day, so they couldn't go anyway. And Donald just kind of figured Charlie must have heard like about the storm ahead of time and was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go back home since the storm is going to be pretty bad and I'm just going to call it a day, you know, whatever. And the thing that makes this story suspicious was the day Charlie left so early in the morning was right about the time that the head was found in the paint can. So where where was Charlie off to? Where, where was he going? <clears throat> Chopping some heads off, so where's he going? Yes, that's what it sounds like. He was walking to church, minding his business, you guys. Allegedly. Actually, yeah, very much allegedly, yeah. Stopped at Home Depot and bought. I don't want to get myself in a criminal case here for. Okay, well, Charlie has been dead for 18 years now. He may have an estate that could sue William. I know, that's what I'm saying, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Smart. (laughs) Is it more the more you know? Your phone, the more you know? So time went on, and in uh, 1979, Charlie had graduated and was working as a radar specialist for Raytheon, the uh, government uh, military people. I don't know if you guys know who they are. Uh, They come out and work for us sometimes, do some contract work on the Navy ships. Yeah, contract. Wait, what? Raytheon is Raytheon's a military. um, I don't know how to describe their military contract. Contract. So he couldn't fly airplanes, but he can work radar specialty military shit well he didn't work yes. for the military he worked for a company that was contracted yeah with the military. contracted contracted that's okay and then. My bad. so he was a radar specialist like i said and his job was located on a small island in the bahamas and he was looking for drug smugglers coming into south florida that was his job that was what his looking for on his radar screens ironically though charlie had come across a metric shit ton of coke and instead of reporting it, Charlie hid it and would sell it little by little until one day he was at a party and shared some of the coke with, uh, I think, a helicopter pilot. And the helicopter pilot was like, whoa, this is good shit, man. Where the fuck did you get this? And Charlie was like, oh, I got it. I got it down in Brown Town. And the guy's like, bullshit. There's no fucking way you got this in Brown Town. I mean, they'll fucking kill you for five dollars in Brown Town. There's no fucking way you went over there. And this shit's too pure anyway. He's like, look. I know a guy who can help you sell this and would only give Charlie, like, he would only take a cut of what he sells, right? Well, it turns out Charlie's cut was well over half a million dollars. And in 1985, that was equivalent to over $1.3 in today's money. And that was on the low end. Like, he got way more than that. But that's just what Jim had remembered, like, at the minimum that he got. So who knows how much money he actually made from this. What is Brown Town? That's just a local, like, town that um, a lot of nefarious things happen. I don't know if it was actually called Browntown or there were brown people living there and the other people called it Browntown. Not clear. All I know <clears throat> is that it's, like, a sketchy part of town. Yeah, it's just above uh, the porcelain throne. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, like, South Florida, like, there's a lot of brown well, people in the Bahamas. There. They're in the Bahamas. They're in the Bahamas. Okay, well, there's even probably more. Hey, brown. hey. 
to be racist. I'm allegedly. Not. Allegedly. They're allegedly <laughs> brown there, down there. I have been there. I know. For brown town? Actual, to the Bahamas. <laughs> I think Octavia's been to brown town. I am brown town. I've never been. Octavia's been. Well, like I said, he made a lot of money off of uh, this cut that he got. And with that new money, Charlie bought an 18-foot boat. And with this boat, he would make trips out of the country to get more coke to make more money. And then he would travel to Miami. And actually, through records, police were able to piece together that the times that Charlie went to Miami, there were mutilated bodies found. Homeboy was traveling on an 18-foot boat to Miami from the Bahamas. Yeah. Okay. All right. What's question? But the thing about the thing about the mutilated bodies is that they they wouldn't even make that connection until 2004 when they found out that Charlie was a serial killer. So they they knew about the bodies. Obviously, they found them, but they didn't connect it to any one person until Charlie died. So all these were just the allegedly died. So all all these were just like cold cases until 2004, and that's. That's what's crazy to me about this guy. Like I said, this is what makes him scary. It's infuriating. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, like, what the... F- oh, gosh. And on on like, top of all this, like, though... It sounds like Dexter. It does except, sound like except Dexter. Except for the drug smuggling thing, but Miami, mutilated bodies. It, the, probably a lot of it was based on this, I think. I don't think he was, like... You know, Not Dexter. I think one of his adversaries in Dexter was based on this guy. I, I want to say. Ice Truck Killer. Ice Truck Killer, his brother? Yep. Sorry, spoilers. Anyways. What? I didn't so, yet. <laughs> it's only, it's only been like 10 years at least. It's only been at least oh, 10 years. I just finished season one. I think that's the season it is. I think that's the season. <laughs> yeah. So the, Not bad. The thing that makes me think Charlie was like up to way more than anybody will ever know is that Charlie was really good at his job and would regularly be sent all over the world, Europe, uh, you know, all kinds of places as a radar technician uh, for a few weeks at a time. And it's easy to imagine that he left a blood trail everywhere he went. But uh, I mean, again, he wasn't a suspect even in the United States. So it's hard to know if he killed anybody or how many he killed if he did. You know, no one, no one even suspected that he could be up to anything horrific. No one except his wife, Terry. Charlie met Terry in 1985. And uh, it was after Charlie had spent five years alone on that island. He took his drug money and bought a quarter million dollar house in Astor. Then he asked his friend Jim if his, if Jim's new girlfriend had any single friends. And she's like, yeah, my roommate is single. Uh, you know, I imagine that's what she sounded like in 1985. But, um, yeah, so she's like, yeah, I'm going to bring my roommate. And they met up at, like, this famous party spot, like, on a pier somewhere on their first date, like, a few days later. And that roommate was Terry. And actually, oh, Emily, you're going to love this. Fun fact, uh, Terry was a military brat and was born in Japan. After her father's service... <gasps> And did her parents moved here to Gulfport, Mississippi. And Terry lived here for a bit and graduated from Southern Miss with a degree in business. Same Z's. Um, what? 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 I've never, I just, I didn't, I didn't know that little bit of info. Are you Terry? I know how much you love, I know how much you love when things are uh, brought back to the Gulfport where you live. 
Yeah, and where I went to college. Love that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And with the same degree that you graduated from that college with. So, like, um, that's really cool. Uh, my mom's Emily name is Terry. Is also. Terry. Okay. Terry. My mom's is name is Terry. Emily. Yeah. Mom, you got something to say? No? Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> well, she's not here. I don't know if you're waiting for her to answer, but she's not here. So, anyways, Charlie, Charlie and Terry. Tell you, she sound like that. <laughs> pretty close that's pretty close yeah. pretty close nailed it so terry and charlie hit it off immediately and like after a short short courtship they moved into an apartment together I, this part is i didn't quite understand because didn't he have a quarter million dollar house like a really nice house on his own you so why why was he moving into an apartment with her because it doesn't make sense to me but i don't i wasn't why. there i don't know i'll tell you why so you want to know why why he doesn't want to show her that he has money. You think so? Yeah. He's hiding that part of himself? Yeah. Because then I want her to then, love me for me. Yeah, not my money. I live in this yeah. shady apartment. <laughs> also, wait, where was the apartment? I don't know exactly where. Somewhere near Aster where they lived. I don't, I don't okay, know. Okay, exactly I thought you where. were going to say it was like here. And I'm like, it's somewhere it's in the like, Keys. Because they, like, they live uh, in the Keys together. I was together. scared for a second. I thought maybe Charlie could have been my dad. And I was just like, oh, God. But I look just like my dad, so we're good. But I also think about, like, how is... He has this quarter-million-dollar house. How is he going to explain to her that he got it? Like, sure, military contracting pays a lot. Not not 18-foot boat, quarter-million-dollar house a lot. So maybe he just didn't want to answer any questions, possibly. 18-foot boat, quarter-million-dollar house doesn't go hand-in-hand hand either, but... You didn't see the 18th. I guess maybe that time. It might have. Yeah, well, this is 1980 something. So in 1986, though, Charlie told Jim. I'm going to ask Terry to marry me. To which Jim replied. Oh, well, Charlie, you have to tell her. Well, I'm not going to tell her. No, you're going to tell her. Well, I'm not. Okay, let me put it. Put it this way. If you're going to get married and you don't tell her, I'm going to fucking tell her. After that, Charlie finally, quote unquote, agreed that he would tell her. He just, he, I guess he just wanted to end the conversation. He said, fine, I'll tell her. The I thing was... Got multi, I, he's playing multiple songs at once. He's very talented. Um, yeah, he's he's on next X Games. Next level. Mm-hmm. Is that what that sound is? Yeah. Sounds normal to me, actually. Well, now it does. Me too. (laughs) Sounds like nothing. So, like I said, Charlie had agreed to tell that he would tell his future wife about his 1971 murder. The thing was, nobody knew for a fact if Charlie ever actually told Terry about his past. The thing that made them think that he hadn't, or I don't, we're not sure, is that their wedding day had no family attend on either side. And Terry explained this away by telling everybody that if she couldn't have everybody attend her wedding, then she wasn't going to have anybody attend her wedding. Uh, At the time, I guess they were just like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Sure. But in hindsight, it kind of seems like Charlie was avoiding having any family there that could tell people about what happened, you know, let it slip. Uh, Kind of seemed like he purposely made it so no family would attend their wedding to stop it, possibly. You know what I mean? You don't say. 
1989, Jim had made it back into town to play a show since, like I said, he was a traveling musician. Uh, he was opening up, helping, like, opening night for, like, a new, I don't want to forgot what it was called a new bar in town like a dance spot and um charlie and terry had decided to go see their friend play live and you know the show was going great and after jim's first set he sat down had a few drinks with his friends and then charlie was like hey i gotta go to the bathroom real quick i'll be right back and terry smiled and nodded and as soon as charlie was out of sight her mood turned deadly serious and she told jim i need to talk to you really really bad you're not gonna believe what fucking happened and i don't know what to do I don't know what to do. Just then, Charlie came back and Jim had to get back on stage. After he was done on stage again, he headed back to the table once more. And then Charlie went to the bathroom again. Okay. What's going on? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Just come out with it. Well, I'm thinking of calling the sheriff on Charlie. For what? For drugs? Well, I came home early from work one night, and Charlie was in the fish room, and Charlie was covered in blood, and the whole sink was covered in blood. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the fish cleaning room. Well, that's fine and dandy if it's the fish cleaning room, but there were no fish in the room, and he was covered, he was all covered in blood. Well, I don't know, maybe he caught some jacks or something and just threw him back in the canal. No, there were no signs of fish anywhere. Maybe Charlie threw the fish away. Well, what you don't know is there was a girl that was murdered down the bridge just a block away or so from the house. They found her in a rowboat mutilated. And you know, I'm worried that he might have done it. And I've been thinking about calling the sheriff. What do I do? Here's the deal, Tare. If you call the sheriff and Charlie had nothing to do with it, your marriage is going to be over i mean i mean you can't call the fucking sheriff and say hey listen man this woman died around the corner and i came home and my husband was covered in blood so what you have to decide is if like is this worth ending your marriage over this kind of like far-flung incident and this conversation kind of to me does she know and that's why she's so suspicious does she know did he actually tell her or was she just putting two and two together and, you know, he was covered in blood pretty much the same time that a body was found? Was it just a coincidence or did she know? No one. And unfortunately, again, we'll just never know these answers. Like all everyone involved is no longer with us. And it's a very frustrating part of this case. There's a lot of unanswered questions because we don't have at least Lonnie was captured. Even though he didn't talk, at least he was captured. And we know a little bit about his past. There's just no answers here at all. I feel like she knew more than, like, anyone knew at that point, but, like, didn't know how to say it, maybe, because... Maybe. I don't... I wouldn't be just drinking in a bar talking to somebody about it. I would have already gone. Like, I think Well, Jim... Jim is just close, close friend. Like, even her close friend. Well, no, I, I get that. I'm just saying, like, I think that something had happened that wasn't, like, disclosed publicly between the two of them other than this incident. Could be. Absolutely could be. And uh, the murder that Terry was referring to was like, there was a 38-year-old named Sherry Parisho. And she was found in her dinghy on July 16th, 1989, just 1,000 feet away from Charlie's house under a bridge. 
That murder was incredibly similar to that of Michelle's. I mean, she was found with her throat slashed so deep that she was nearly decapitated. She had been mutilated and most importantly, her heart had been ripped out of her body. And actually, Sherry Parisha's story is really very incredible. And like, I don't, didn't really have time to go into it, uh, but if you're interested at all, I, I really recommend, like you can read Invisible Killer and it goes into like uh, two chapters about this woman alone. She had a really, really interesting life. And like, for example, like she was purposely homeless and referred to herself as a vagabond. She was super smart and like was in the process of writing an autobiography. And she was like the type to go with the flow and made money however she could. Like, you know, like 20 bucks is 20 bucks type. You know what I mean? She's, she did what she had to do. But honestly, her story is very, very interesting. Um, but Sherry's death would be officially closed um, as her cold case would be closed 17 years after her death when they connected Charlie to the murder. So for 17 years, no one really knew what happened to her. Um, and it's that's got to be terrible. It and Like I said, Invisible Killers, it goes into how... A lot of people were blamed. People were pointing the fingers. Uh, people kept coming up as possible suspects. Um, but yeah, and, and there's at least two chapters dedicated to Sherry because, like I said, she, she's actually had a very interesting life. She, even though the community saw her as a homeless sex worker living on a boat, um, that's not. She was much, much more than that. But I, I think the most interesting thing about Terry and Charlie is that Terry seemed like she never trusted Charlie like throughout their relationship she she would actually keep a diary and in this diary she would detail daily life and make specific notes about charlie like when he was out of town when they had a weird day later the police would take this diary and use it like a roadmap along with charlie's own recording uh record keeping of the miles like he drove around florida like he kept his own diary of places he traveled to so whenever terry made a note of when Charlie was gone, they would cross-check where he went and the dates and would find that there had been a murder in that area at the time he was there. So in the end, police used what's called his modus operandi of decapitation and tearing hearts out to link him to several of these murders, but really there isn't a way to say 100% that he did or did not do the murder that they were looking into. So I don't but holy shit. Like that's one hell of an MO to try to piece together and I can't imagine there were a ton of them. Well, at least 26 others in the area. <sighs> so these are the people who he is most likely to have been personally responsible for. He was thought to have killed, um, like we talked about, that 13-year-old girl in 1978 whose head was found in a paint can, and he laughed about it. He's probably responsible for her. Uh, mo- more than likely. He also may have killed a 20-year-old named Lisa Saunders in 1988 who was found with her heart ripped out in Big Pine Key near where Charlie lived. And then then there's Sherry Parisio in 1989, and then finally, we have 38-year-old Darlene Toller, Toller, who was a sex worker in Miami. And she was found along the highway, like the same highway that Charlie would frequent when he went into Miami. And they believe that this was him because her body was found wrapped in plastic, 
but her heart and head were never found. Same decapitation and heart missing. So this was, it's this is what this is kind of the problem they have. It's loosely connected to him, but it was probably him. It's the same type of evisceration. Yeah, they don't have any other evidence other than, hey, he was in this right. area around this time, and these are all linked with the same mo. I'm thinking that's right. all we need. Case closed. Like that motherfucker did it. What the hell? That could not probably. have been. Like, yeah, probably, but <clears throat> like, you can't nail you can't nail it. Like in a court no, of law, you can't officially, you can't say like, okay, so what evidence do you have? I'm like, I don't know. He was in the area at the time, and he's he did this before. Let's like let's start with that. Okay, but you have to have twelve people unanimously decide that. Oh, for sure, it was him. Well, you're you're only trying to prove beyond reasonable doubt. So okay, like, but there's reasonable doubt that someone like, else could have done it. I feel unless like you found a lot unless, of people unless you found fingerprints. Doing... You, didn't, you didn't find fingerprints, hair follicles. There was no other substantial evidence that linked him to it, other than. He was kind of in this area, or he liked to frequent this road, and their head was missing and their heart was missing. It's enough for... I don't know. I doubt any DNA testing was done. No, no, no. This was um, 88, 89, and the last one, I forgot to get a date, but um, it's got to be around that time, maybe 95, I want to say. So, I mean, it was around, just not widely used, you know, DNA. Like, we talked about this in Lonnie in depth. It wasn't really around. Um, So, like, along with these women and girls, because the youngest was 13, um, there could be over 20 other girls with the same calling cards, the same MO. Uh, It's the same thing we've been talking about. There's no way to definitively say, yeah, that was Charlie. But... Again, more than likely it was him. We just can't officially say that it was. So allegedly he killed 26 people. Allegedly. So not, but you know what's crazy is not only that, but who knows how many women he may have murdered in the Bahamas because it's it's not likely anybody would have reported missing or murdered women. You know, this place is called Browntown. It was a very sketchy place, well known as a sketchy place. They're not going to, investigate missing women especially not in the early 80s or or late 70s early 80s who knows how many women that he was out because he was out there for five six years on that island working for Raytheon so in that time it's hard to say how many if any he had murdered there Um, and, and like I said he had been sent across seas many times to Europe and other places in the world uh, to work for for Raytheon and do radar special stuff there and who knows how many women he may have killed out in the world. There's no way to tell. His kill count could be in the hundreds, and we'll, we will literally never know. Yeah, I mean, like, in the Bahamas, they find a dead prostitute. They're probably like, well, another one bites the dust. And they're not keeping track of, like, the MO and stuff like that to link it. And they're not, you know, conversing with the United States about... And I think the fact that, if, I mean, he was, his job... He was placed there in at all because his job was to track drug smugglers. So it was probably already a well-known cartel drug smuggling type of people. So murders, unfortunately, are a regular thing for drug uh, 
business, you know? So it was already like, oh, it's probably just another drug deal gone wrong, possibly, you know? It, a serial killer probably wasn't on their mind. I just, I don't know the method though. Like it's just, I think after like two, I'd be thinking, oh, I got a serial killer going. I don't think people thought that way back then at all. I just feel like nobody thought in this case. These earlier reading. cases, these earlier cases are always like this. Like they, they don't assume the worst. Um, serial killing is like an, in the 70s had become a new thing that police were looking at. Like serial killing has been around forever. But from an investigative point, it wasn't really until like, you know, the 70s with Bundy, Gacy and Dahmer. And then in the 80s with with Lonnie and with um, with Richard R- Ramirez and all these other people where they really like, OK, with these early years, people were able to establish the types of killers. Like if it weren't for these 70s, 80s serial killers we wouldn't have the fbi's profiling to to lean on you know so at at the time it was very early um to even say like oh this is probably like nowadays that's probably a serial killer he's probably starting out or this looks like the same as the last one there's probably one guy doing this It, it, it really wasn't looked at like that it's just weird because i feel like that is like a very very like unique way to murder someone and go about staging the body, taking the heart, whatever. Yeah, I agree. I can't imagine there are a ton of people running around doing this. Maybe. I'll digress. Yeah, but they could say, oh, this is is the work of a serial killer, but what evidence do they have to point to someone? They don't have any of that. Right. They could say, like, oh, look, another headless female with her heart cut out. Like, what do we have to go? No one stood out to them. Like, and again, the only reason Charlie was linked is because they found him hanging with his family, and his wife was killed. That his niece was killed in the same niece way. Was killed yeah. in the exact same way, and like, oh, it was probably no, him. I get that part, like, there was no way to link him specifically. I'm just saying, like, the fact that they didn't kind of like just already start thinking this cannot be the work of like random people doing it all the same way but i get what you're saying like yeah I'm, but i mean they, again, they, they, could, they could, couldn't link it to him yeah they could say we got a serial killer on our on, on the loose but there was nowhere to start in like hey be on the lookout for a white male chubby like they, they had nothing to go off of <laughs> it was just they found the body and they're like ah oh, shit another one <sighs> let's keep this from the you press because then people are going to freak out yeah probably i don't know and that's that is will what you just said is exactly why to me this guy is the most terrifying because there are no real answers to how many women he killed he he wasn't considered at all and the fact that his own family thought he never murdered anyone after he killed his own mom no one really knew what he was up to and there was never even an investigation into these crimes until he had taken his own life which means ostensibly charlie could have gotten away with murder for the rest of his days had he not brutally murdered his wife and niece and then hung himself, no one would have ever known. Nope. No one's going to know. That's just nuts. They're going to know. No one's going to know. They're going to know. <laughs> they, I, really, I really believe they would never have, he would have lived his days till he was old, killed more people, and never been even looked at. Dude, never. I, I, I think, really believe I, that. I think I if we were that. to get into the age of 
when DNA is being processed more and there's a bigger database, I think he probably would have been nailed because so? um, he probably didn't do a good job of of having a clean uh, crime scene. Yeah, and he'd nah. already been he'd already been locked up. So they have to have his fingerprints on on file after killing his dad or yeah. killing his mom and, and shooting he, his dad. If they sent him to the, I don't, I don't think, think they, they, I don't think they took any of that. I, he I went to a psychiatric to the, hospital. Psychiatric he wasn't hospital? arrested. Yeah, yeah. He was psychiatric. Yeah. He was not arrested. Yeah, well, they have I mean, to like, process you somehow. Or whatever. I don't well, know if they did that then though through the psychiatric like never been there route. Well, like okay, so you could be right where they could use new DNA because the, think of the Golden State Killer. He was like 76 or something when they arrested him. He was way old. Like he had been free for, or he had been, the killings had stopped in, in San Francisco and stuff for 30 something years when his DNA happened to come up and he ended up being a sheriff, you know? Um, so the Golden State Killer was caught and he was at the end of his life already. He had lived his life. Um, but the thing is they knew, I mean, he had been known, he had several names and he was the original Night Stalker. He was the East Bay rapist. You know, they had already had a name for this guy because they had put it together that it was one guy doing it all. Charlie was never established, like his, his MO was never established as a serial killer. So they weren't actively looking for this guy. So Which DNA might have a cold case of any of these 26 other women or possibly whoever else he murdered may have come up eventually as up for DNA um, research and, and investigation. Possibly. I'm sure I would hope they would investigate with the new technology, these crimes in South Florida f from the seventies and eighties. And maybe his DNA would have come up. Absolutely. I, they didn't really establish. There was never any, like I never came across, Oh, we're looking for a serial killer with the same heart ripping decapitation MO. It was never a thing, you know what I mean. So he could have been caught. I I want. I don't think he would have. I really think if he had, he would have been. Because by now, eighteen years later, he was forty-seven when he died. He's already seventy, right? Or sixty? I mean, yeah, sixty years old today. Uh, who knows? We'll never know. Yeah. We will never know. All I gotta say is fuck that guy. Don't fuck that guy. Yeah, don't. He's dead. Um, <clears throat> and fuck the system that it's fucked everybody who he killed. I mean, they did the system back in the day did uh let out a serial killer and like yeah he's fine it's fine no worries. he's fine it's fine and his hitler loving dad supported it so yep fuck him too allegedly i don't allegedly i don't we i'm not gonna say fuck his dad like that's not cool if you picked, <laughs> him, up from, if you picked yeah. him up from the psychiatric facility um fuck him i i would just have saying, I'm just i'll saying. take it back no allegedly and, here and this is why we have multiple hosts for different point of views yeah like, we well, me and Octavia are on the same boat, but we're male. Yeah, we are and male. Fuck you guys too. Love you. Hopefully not both of us at the same time. Yeah, that'd be hard. Um, <laughs> two thousand, uh, two thousand mile gap there. Yeah. Oh god. That was the end of our serial killer right. series. We uh, we hope you enjoyed learning about new people that kill people. Um, don't do it. Don't don't kill people. Yeah, don't kill a lot of people. Don't tear people's hearts out. No. Don't do that. Do it. But, uh, Emily, like, tell me where to find us. Um, Instagram and Facebook. Don't do it at, at all. Wait. Don't do it at all. Whatever. Yeah. Back it up. Instagram, Facebook at Bloodthirsty Times, Twitter, and now TikTok at Bloodthirsty Pod. And you can email us at bloodthirstypod at gmail.com. That's it. And we have Linktree. Uh, and Will's OnlyFans is linked in his bio. Oh, don't forget about the video pod. Um, we'll oh, have yeah. the first one up pretty soon. Uh, 
today. It's $3 a month. We'll have it today. I'll, put, I'll post it today. And then, uh, yeah, it's a great way to stay in shape. Yeah. So thanks. Goodbye. See you guys next week. Bye.